Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you again. Let's again just open with a short prayer before we continue with our study this evening of the book of Revelation. Father, again, we thank you that we can come into your presence by means of what Jesus has done and accomplished for us. We are incredibly grateful to you, Lord, for your wonderful and amazing love for us, for your salvation, for your hand on our lives. We thank you, Lord, that the scripture says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And as Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans, we can be persuaded that there is nothing, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And so we just thank you for your amazing love for us, for your hand upon our lives, and for the privilege, Lord, that we have to study your word. And I just pray your blessing on our time as we continue to study the book of Revelation this evening. We just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 18, the fall of Babylon is what this chapter covers. Reading from verse 1, after these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So in verse 1, John sees another angel coming down from heaven having great authority. And he says that the earth was illuminated with the glory of this angel. And if we go back, if we remember from... Uh, the previous chapters that we looked at with the bowl judgments, the fifth bowl judgment, when the angel poured out the fifth bowl, the whole world was plunged into darkness. And it's against this backdrop that this angel appears uh, with blazing uh, glory. And he says, Babylon the great is fallen. And she's become a dwelling place of demons. And where again it talks about there in verse 3, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Religious Babylon, as we have seen and discussed before, lured the nations into spiritual drunkenness and fornication with false gods. Commercial Babylon 
had seduced the unbelieving world into a materialistic stupor so that people of the world actually became drunk with passion with their relationship with Babylon. And this is um, how this verse describes what um, happens to the world. And in verse 4, John says there, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues, for her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she has rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works, in the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her, in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow, for she says in her heart, I sit as queen and I am no widow and will not see sorrow, therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord who judges her. So here we see God calls for people to disentangle themselves from this incredibly evil system. And God calls people to abandon the system and come to faith in Jesus. And this message is given to abandon the system before it's actually destroyed. Because the judgment of God on this society that was living or that is going to happen in the future was living in a sinful, arrogant, uh, self-indulgent uh, pleasure. And God now is about to judge uh, Babylon and is calling people to come out uh, and to come to salvation and to come to the Lord Jesus. In verse 5, the scripture records, Therefore her sins have reached heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And the Lord says, Ye are rendered to her just as she has rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her God. Amazingly, does not remember the iniquities of his people. We have been forgiven our sins and our sins uh, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ are blotted out and are removed from us as far as the east is from the west and God doesn't remember them. But what we see here for an unrepentant Babylon, there's going to be no forgiveness. There is only going to be a judgment. And we see here the angel calls for God to recompense wrath to Babylon in her own cup to repay her according to her deeds, what she has done. And where the angel says they mix double for her, uh, double has a sense of uh, fullness or overflowing. 
uh, that the punishment for Babylon will fit the crime and the cup of wickedness uh, from which so many have drunk is going to incur the judgment uh, and the wrath of God. And the angel is calling here uh, for uh, God to repay her double according to her works. And verse 7, we see there that in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxury, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. This is really a proud and uh, empty boast uh, from a self-sufficient uh, Babylon and God is actually going to bring these plagues and judgments upon them. And it was also the same boast of self-sufficiency that was also made by historical Babylon. Babylon that uh, existed during the time of uh, Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And in verse 8, therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. And these plagues that are going to come are going to come very quickly, in one day. And uh, these judgments take place in a very, very brief period of time. And if we go back to historical uh, Babylon, we read in Daniel chapter 5, which records that historical Babylon also fell uh, in one day. If you remember the writing that appeared on the wall and Daniel was called in to read the writing for the hand that wrote uh, the words on the wall. And when Daniel interpreted the writing, he told the king that the kingdom of Babylon was going to be removed from him that very evening. And that same night, the Medes and the Persians came in and uh, Babylon fell in one day. Verse 9, we read there, The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her. For they see the smoke of her burning, and standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. And the rest of that passage goes on there to uh, describe um, all the goods that the merchants of the earth used to trade with, with Babylon. And the political leaders of the world are going to uh, weep and lament for the loss of this um, city that is actually going to signal the doom of the uh, Antichrist's uh, power and where it says that they wept and uh, lamented for her to weep means to sob openly 
uh, to lament means to express uh, despair. Uh, and this is what the unbelieving world is going to uh, just do at this point in time. That they are going to uh, be totally um, despaired at what has actually come upon uh, Babylon and the judgment that God has poured out on the city. Verse 17 tells us, For in one hour such great riches came to nothing, and every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of a burning, saying, What is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. And verse 20 says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles, prophets, for God has avenged you on her. So, where it talks about the people here when they saw what was happening, throwing dust on their heads, this was an ancient expression of grief. And where in verse 20, um, the scripture records here, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged her. The angel actually exhorts uh, the people of God to rejoice over the deaths of those who are doomed because of God's righteousness and justice. Because God is righteous and uh, he has brought judgment on uh, Babylon, his justice uh, will have prevailed. And God has avenged her. Remember what the scripture says? Vengeance is mine, uh, says the Lord. And there's going to come this time in the future where, as we've seen here, God is going to avenge uh, what has happened to his people, uh, to his uh, apostles, to his prophets. Because during this time, religious Babylon uh, the Antichrist is going to persecute the people of God in a way in which the world has never seen persecution for those who've put their faith in the one and only true God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 21 we read there, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists and trumpets will not be heard in you any more. No craftsman or any craft shall be found uh, in you any more. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you any more. For your merchants with the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. 
and in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. So where we see the angel took up a, a stone like a millstone, um, millstones were large, heavy stones used to ground grain. And this metaphor that the Word of God uses here uh, portrays uh, the violence of how Babylon is going to be overthrown and very, very quickly. And the fall of Babylon ends what ever semblance of normality still exists on the earth at that time. After we've uh, studied in the previous chapters the seal judgments, the, the trumpets and the bowls, uh, what will happen now, life on earth is going to be so totally disrupted towards the end um, that the scripture dis, uh, describes here that there's no more music, no more industry, no more preparing of food, no more light, no more weddings, um, that all of this now has uh, come to uh, an end. And verse 24, religious and commercial uh, Babylon, which um, embodied the religious and political systems uh, of the world, um, as we've mentioned before, would have committed unspeakable atrocities against the people of God. And God will avenge that slaughter of his people. Chapter 19. And after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory and honor and power belong to the Lord. Salvation, glory, and honor and power belong to the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Hallelujah, the smoke rises up forever and ever, and the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. So after these things, this is a, a time period after the destruction of Babylon at the end of the Great Tribulation, before uh, Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom uh, on the earth. And the chapter that we're looking at now actually uh, bridges the tribulation uh, period and the millennial kingdom. And we see here that um, in verse 2, um, for true and righteous are his judgments because he's judged the great harlot who's corrupted the earth um, 
God, as we know, um, God is a righteous God. Uh, God hates sin. And he has brought judgment on the harlot who has corrupted the earth. And saints also long for the day of uh, judgment. And godly people uh, love righteousness and also hate sin. For righteousness honors God and believers actually long uh, for a world of justice because we see so often in the world today that um, so often justice doesn't prevail and that uh, evil people actually get away with so many things. But this is short-lived because God ultimately is going to judge the wickedness of this earth as we have seen in the uh, verses and the chapters that uh, we have been studying. Verse 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God, and I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the marriage of the Lamb. Hebrew weddings actually consisted of three phases. First phase of a Hebrew wedding was the betrothal, which often happened when the couple were very young. The second phase of a Hebrew wedding is the presentation, where you have festivities often lasting for several days. And that presentation actually preceded the ceremony. And the third part of the wedding ceremony was actually the exchanging of vows. And the church was betrothed to Christ by his sovereign choice in eternity past. We read that in Ephesians. Will be presented to him at the rapture. And then the third and final phase will be the marriage supper of the land, which will signify the end of the ceremony. And this symbolic meal will take place at the establishment of the millennial kingdom and will last through that thousand-year period. And while the term the bride often refers to the church, it ultimately also includes all of God's redeemed people from all the ages. And in verse 8, where it talks about... Um, her being granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. This is not talking about the righteousness that we have, where we have the righteousness of God imputed to us, which we receive as believers when we 
come to uh, salvation in Christ. But these are the practical results of that righteousness in believers' lives. It's the outward manifestation of that inward virtue because it says here, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then it says they're right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, right. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. Uh, the angel actually tells John not to worship him because he is just a fellow servant like John. We are called to only bow down and worship God, not to worship angels. And just going back to verse 9 where it says there, Blessed are those who are called uh, to the marriage supper. Uh, what is or who is referred to here is not the bride or the church, but the guests. Remember, a bride doesn't get invited to a wedding. The bride actually invites. And these are those uh, who are uh, believers. Um, uh, though they are not the bride, they may be uh, people that are in the millennial kingdom, uh, tribulation saints, uh, believers that have come out of that time period that are... Um, alive during the time of the uh, millennial reign of Christ and they are the ones that are uh, invited uh, to the marriage supper and that's what it's talking about there blessed are those who are called or invited to the marriage supper of the lamb so remember the church being the bride is pictured as pure and faithful and not a harlot like Israel and um, we are only pure in the sight of God solely on the basis of what Jesus has done and accomplished for us. And we see there in verse 10, again, we've uh, looked at this in um, previous studies where the angel says, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the central theme of Old Testament prophecy, the central theme of New Testament preaching, always focuses on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written on it that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe 
and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We see here in verse 13, uh, where uh, John refers to his name is called the Word of God. John uses this title only for the Lord. We see uh, in um, uh, John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, the Word um, was with God, and the Word was God. And we see here, again, John referring to him who was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called uh, the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God, we know Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Colossians tells us that he is the express image of his person. And we read in Hebrews that Jesus is the final and full revelation from God. We read that in um, Hebrews chapter 1. And in verse 14, we see uh, the armies of heaven, which are composed of the, the church, tribulation saints, uh, believers. Uh, we come back with Jesus, not to help Jesus in this battle that is going to take place at Armageddon. But we come back to reign with him after he defeats his enemies. And we see there in uh, verse 15 that out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. This symbolizes the Lord's power to kill his enemies. And the sword that comes out of his mouth indicates that he wins this battle against his enemies with the power of his word. And that there is going to be swift, righteous judgment when Christ um, comes back. And this is going to then establish the millennial kingdom. And righteous judgment is going to mark Christ's rule during uh, the millennial kingdom on the earth. Verse 17, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And then the beast was captured, with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, that proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So here in verse uh, 17 and 18, 
Um, the supper of the great God is also called the battle uh, of that great day of the Lord Almighty, which is going to begin with an angel summoning the birds to come and feed on the corpses of those who are going to be slain. And God actually declares victory even before this battle uh, begins. And um, this is going to be such an awful battle that's going to happen here. There's going to be so many people uh, that are going to die that we see in Scripture that uh, the birds are actually going to feast uh, on the flesh of all of those who died for many, 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 many weeks. And we see here also that um, when this battle takes place, the beast is going to be captured and with him the false prophet who worked the signs uh, in the presence of the Antichrist. And they are going to be taken and they are going to be banished directly into the lake of fire. And they're going to be the first of countless millions of unregenerated men and fallen angels that are going to arrive uh, in this uh, dreadful place. And although these verses that we've been reading here depict the frightening holocaust uh, of... Um, unparalleled uh, event in human history. Um, the battle of Armageddon is actually the pinnacle of the day of the Lord. And this is where all the rebels are going to be slaughtered by just the words that proceed from uh, the mouth of our Lord Jesus as we see here. And the day of the Lord is referred to in many passages in the Old Testament scriptures, in Isaiah, in Joel, in um, Ezekiel. And uh, one of the things that uh, we see here with the, uh, the coming of the, uh, of the Lord, um, the second coming that we see here uh, has to do with God coming in judgment. When God comes or when Jesus comes to fetch his church, um, when we are raptured, um, that the rapture of the church has got nothing to do with judgment. It's a completely separate event that takes place before the Lord uh, returns uh, to the earth. So we will get caught up to meet the Lord in the air uh, before all these events that we have been reading about uh, in the book of Revelation take place. And as we have discussed and looked at before, that the church is not going to be uh, here on the earth during the time of the uh, tribulation. And we are not looking towards or looking to the coming of the tribulation for us as the church, we are looking for that blessed hope, which is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he comes to fetch us, and so we shall ever be with the Lord, as the scripture tells us. And what we read about here, where the Antichrist and the false prophet being the first of many that are cast into 
the lake of fire. God desires that nobody perishes, that all would come to a knowledge of salvation. And that's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, that he paid the price for our sin, that we don't have to end up going to that place for all eternity. And if you have been listening to uh, these uh, teachings on the book of Revelation, and you have never asked God to forgive you for your sins, if you've never repented and asked God for forgiveness, and if you've never committed your life to the Lord, I would encourage you uh, to do that. We are living in a time period now where we see uh, we are living on what I would call the threshold of the time where the great tribulation is going to uh, come upon the earth. We don't know how much time we've got left and uh, the Lord could come back to fetch us at any day. And the blessed hope that we have for those of us who've put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is that soon we will be looking forward to going home to uh, be with him. Uh, I don't know how long that is going to be in the future, but we see events that are taking place in the earth today with um, they are speeding up so rapidly uh, that we are moving very, very quickly, I believe, towards this uh, time period and that uh, we don't have much time left before the Lord actually comes back uh, to fetch his church that we would then be with him forever. So if you've never committed your life to the Lord, I would just encourage you to do that. Father, we just thank you for the time that we've had again to just study your word. I just pray your blessing on each and every single person that has been uh, listening to the study tonight. And again, we just thank you, Lord, for your hand upon our lives, that you watch over our coming in and going out. And we thank you for the blessed hope that we have, that we look forward to the soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.